0: Hey guys, we are back and after a long hiatus. Um, we dropped an episode last week um, about the rental car business. And I mean, God, what a popular episode. So I'm, I'm so happy that uh, uh, you know I could come back into the podcast game and, and see uh, that you guys are still listening. Uh, so I really appreciate that. And so moving forward, uh, I'm here today with Jeff Fischel. I know him as the guy I hoop with. And I told him today that I would mention Malcolm and I would mention Jay and how we beat them this morning. Bless that ass today. In a three-point contest. <laughs> you know, they thought they were going to get it. And I hope they listen. I really hope you guys are listening. Yeah, because true, true to our word, we did that. So, um, yeah, I'm going to let you take a, take a moment uh, yeah. to introduce yourself and let them know a little bit about you. And then we'll, we'll get started. Cool, yeah. Um, I'm Jeff Fischel. I work in uh, hospitality
1: I am a, I guess, what you would call an aspiring entrepreneur. Like, there are things that I want to do, and I want to have something that is my baby and my thing. Uh, So I dabble in a lot of things. I don't really have anything, like, I guess, concrete, that you would say. Mm -hmm. Like uh, like I said, I'm in hospitality. I work at a high-end steakhouse. I've been waiting tables for years, so I know a lot about, like, you know, dealing with customers and taking care of people. And it kind of feels like uh, at this point, just going through the motions for me, it's really not yeah. a challenge. It's just a way to pay my bills. Um, I am thinking about doing like, I feel like one of my end goals one day, because I'm really big into fitness, as you know,
0: yeah. and
1: taking care of my body. Like I think one of my end games, I want to own a gym maybe. Um, so I'm trying to work towards that, build capital. Um I'm doing like a little side business with a, with a drone doing real estate photography. Okay. So I do a ton of different things, man. It's just hard for me to like nail something down. But the thing that I do the most and that I pay my bills with, like I said, I'm uh I'm a server at house, the steakhouse. Mm-hmm. Which is a great gig. It's hard to get out of that, man. Working forty hours a week, having all my days to myself. Uh, but yeah, that's a little bit about me, man. From North Carolina, been here in Atlanta for about five years. Okay, okay. So I'm loving it, meeting new cool people all the time. You being one of them.
0: Mm. So, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know too much about North Carolina other than other than the uh, the Tar Heels. Yeah, uh, the Panthers. You know, they had a little run there yeah. for Cam left. Uh, yep. And even a little bit before. Um, I guess my aunt used to live in Fayetteville up there near Fort Bragg. Fayetteville's
1: cool. Nothing's there but Fort Bragg. Fort yeah. Bragg and like a little college. Uh, Pembroke, I actually almost went there. Okay. Um, but other than that, dude, there's really nothing in Fayetteville. North Carolina's really cool, though, because you got, for people that don't know a lot about it, you have three different sectors of North Carolina. You have, like, the coast. Mm-hmm. You have the plains region, which is like the foothills, like flat farmland and stuff like that. And then out to the west, you have the mountains.
0: Right. Like right. Asheville, Boone. I have been to those uh, locations. I actually went to school for a little bit at Mars Hill College. Okay. Right next to uh, UNC Asheville. I know Mars Hill. Okay. Uh, we ran in Boone up there. Mm-hmm. at um After State. Yep, App State, and I remember their indoor track. Oh my God, it was like a square, like an octagon, used to kill my knees as we lean into those curves. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a trip down memory lane, if yeah. you've ever run indoor track over there. Um, so let's go back. Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about, because I'm really interested in the, the hospitality industry, yeah. and how that, there are parallels between that and anytime you're dealing with people. Yeah. You know, and I don't care what that is, whether you're a teacher and you're dealing with students, uh, if you're a gym instructor instructor or personal trainer, you've got clients. um, Interpersonal skills. Exactly. Come into it all the time. You're
1: always dealing with a lot of different personalities.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, The thing that's weird about hospitality is, like, the people that are coming in, uh, they're paying for your services, Mm -hmm. and most people want... Things that particular way and expect you to know that, uh, which can be pretty much impossible if yeah. that makes sense. Like you can, you kind of have to feel your way through it. Um, but it's an interesting gig, dude. I've been doing it. This is my my fourth restaurant gig, or actually my fifth. When I was a kid in high school, I started working at uh my first job was Foot Locker. That was my first job. Okay. So, you know, got used to the 30% discount and shit. Like, I don't like paying full price for my shoes anymore. But uh, first restaurant job was Bojangles. Used to work at Bojangles, doing like the cashier and working the drive through with a couple of my friends, Mike, Duran, a couple of my boys. Yeah. Then I got a job at O'Charlie's.
0: I don't know if you're familiar
1: with O'Charlie's. A lot of people sleep on O'Charlie's. O'Charlie's got those yeast rolls. I've been there once no, or twice. bro. bro. Oh, O'Charlie slaps. I haven't been there in a long time, but <laughs> Charlie slaps. Um, so I worked there for a few years, probably like, I don't know, two years. Left there, went to Longhorn Steakhouse mm-hmm. in North Carolina, worked there for a little while, learned a little bit about like different cuts of meat, wine, different things, even though it was very limited. Um, and then when I moved to Atlanta, I started working at the Capitol Grill in Buckhead. It's right there on East Paces, like right off of Piedmont. Mm -hmm. Totally different world. Like, you're talking about at Longhorn, I would come in and work, and like the average table, you know, a good table is going to spend a hundred, two hundred dollars, right? Like, that's like a top of the last slide. That's a big table in those places. Come to the Capitol Grill. People are spending, you're looking at tables spending. You know, in my first week, I had $1,000 checks that people were coming in buying this $300 bottle of wine, a couple steaks, whatever. You know, I'm making $200 off that table. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's, it's a big change, but there's a lot more expectations because at Longhorn, they just want you to take their order and bring their food, yeah. right? And not mess it up. <clears throat> Excuse me, not mess it up. Uh, at the Capitol Grill, and where I work currently, is it's fine dining. So everything, there's a lot of little details that people don't know about, a lot of little things that you got to do. And there's a lot, honestly, expectations have to be met or people lose their mind, dude. Like, because you got to think about it. If you go somewhere and you're spending a G on, on your food that night, you want everything to be perfect, Right. Whereas like those other places that I worked, it can be like, you know,
0: it can be so-so and they're still going to be happy. You know, I think that's, I think it's really interesting mm-hmm. because um, one of the pieces I'm hearing there is, you know, that transition from, let's say, you know, your, your, your neighborhood sports bar mm-hmm. or steakhouse mm-hmm. going into, like you said, fine dining mm-hmm. and that when you make that transition it's not just that you, like physically, going from like oh, I was at Longhorn, now I'm mm-hmm. at Capital Groom. Mm-hmm. and you didn't have to change, but the fact that oh, you had you, you had, had the, to change, yeah, I had a, my knowledge had to change. So, <clears throat> how did you, how did you deal with that like adjustment? Like was there like a sort of fear or nervousness that that came along with saying oh well okay this is this is different. Did you ever think about, like, oh, maybe I need to go back, or... Definitely. Okay. Definitely. So, like, the first thing is I didn't know anything about
1: wine. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really know anything about liquor. I, I, I've never been a huge drinker. Um, I don't really... I drank a lot, not a crazy amount, but I drank more, like, in the past year or two than I ever have. Sure. And I've really kind of got out of that. Like, I don't really love drinking, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Like at Longhorn, I think we sold like six different wines, right? Uh, we had beer. I like beer, so I know more about beer than I do, you know, at that time than I did about wine. So coming in, I got the Long- uh, Capital Grill. I want to say they had, I don't know, 500 plus wines in the cellar, like different wines. Yeah. Blends, cabs, Pinot's, white wine, champagnes, everything. Things that I didn't know anything about. Mm. So that felt intimidating. Um, because people wanna know.
0: Yeah.
1: Like people sit down and like even now people will come in and start asking you about wine, like, what do you think goes with this? Where where is this from? What are the you know, flavors and things I should expect? And to be honest with you, dude. (laughs) It was intimidating, but it was, like, you kind of learn little key things to kind of fake it till you make it, if that <laughs> makes sense. Okay. Like, you know, people ask me, if I had, like, little things that I would go to. I'm like, oh, it has, like, beautiful notes of Blackberry, and, like, you're going to catch a little, like, tobacco on the end. And then most of the time, I was full of shit. Yeah. And didn't really, you know, but it sounds good. And that's really what a lot of people want is just that confidence. Mm-hmm. Like, whether you know what the fuck you're talking about or not, like, they just want that confidence. Um, So it was intimidating, not only from the wine standpoint, but there's a lot of, like, ingredients in the foods. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, star anise is one. Um, You got uh, au poivre uh, preparation for steaks, which is, like, peppercorns with, like, a cognac sauce, like, things like that. And, I mean, there's hundreds of them. Things that I've never heard of before, because I come from a not well-off family. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time I ate white tablecloth was when I was placed, mm-hmm. if that right. makes sense. So, yeah, it's it was intimidating. But like anything else in life, if you come to it and put some real effort towards it, mm-hmm. over time you learn these things. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a wine expert right now, but I can talk about wine with you like if you sit down, you know, sit me down with somebody that knows their wine, I can I can chop it up a little bit, you know. Um but yeah, it's uh it's was definitely intimidating coming in, but over time I've became more comfortable with it. It's really really nothing for me now. Like where I'm at now, there's a lot less strict standards. Okay. That makes sense. Like I know what I'm supposed to do and I handle my job But at the Capitol Grill, like, I had, like, 18, 18, like, specific steps of service
0: that I had to meet. uh, Wow. First of all. Mm -hmm. Well, two things. I guess one, just going off that, like, 18 steps of, of, like, service, like, things you got to, like, tick the boxes. Yeah. I think sometimes when people look at certain uh, careers or whatever it is, they, they assume like what that they know what it's like, mm-hmm. you know, because they they see on the surface they're like, oh, this person just runs in the bag, puts the order, and brings it out, and they have no idea, no idea what's really going on. And, yes. and and the thing that used to bug me, I used to be a barista, okay, and and I was working at a Caribou Coffee, and people would come in like talking craziness, you know, like let me get this, you know, hot vanilla chai. And as a matter of fact, could you just you know, two pumps of caramel in there and maybe like a half a pump of hazelnut, you know, hazelnut. And you're like, yeah. ah. and then somebody else says, you know, I want my sandwich cooked, but about halfway, you know, than the usual. I don't want it too yeah. hot. And they start at, and then they, and they, they're they forgetting that I got to change the coffee in and out. Someone's got to do dishes. Someone's got to change the creamer. And there's a yeah. million run things run out going of stuff on. Like, in your mind, you're like. I have a million things I'm doing but in their mind there's it's it's a simple I, A to B. A lot of and that's one of the challenges of hospitality
1: especially when people are spending money. Mm. Like I said, when that when that price goes up, people have higher expectations like they're out trying to show all their friends a good and it, a lot of times it comes down like we're show I'm showing off tonight. That's what yeah. it that's what it is a lot of the time. Mm. Um it makes it difficult because most people yeah especially the people that, you know, have never worked in hospitality, they feel like they're the only person there. Like, they don't see these other 400 people or however many people, you know, 200 at a time in the restaurant. They don't care about that. They're spending their hard-earned money and what they need is what matters. Right. You know what I mean? so, like, people people are crazy, first of all. Yep. Like, Indeed. you know, the the most important thing that keeps any business going is the customer though. So you always have to take care of the customer and make sure that, that they are happy. But like you said, dude, there's so many people out there that are uneducated to as like what all is happening behind the scenes and how much I probably have going on at any given time. There's a lot of people that just expect me to know things about them. And that's part of my job is like I I told you earlier, um, One of the biggest things that makes, like, a good server or a good waiter or a good bartender is that person that can anticipate what you need
0: before you even ask for it. And I like that concept, right? Hang on to that because Mm -hmm. I want to explore that. Uh And I want to go back to one other thing, right? Yeah. So when you made that transition from, like, okay, I'm at the Capitol Grill, right? Now I'm at House. But going back to, like in between where you're like, mm, I'm a little uncertain, I'm a little intimidated. You know, what was like the catalyst like that just said, okay, I'm gonna do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, instead of turning around and tucking your tail between your legs, you're like, you know what? Let me learn more about wine. Yeah. Let me go out and memorize some of this stuff and do some research on my own and ask questions. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people just meet so, a sort of a wall <coughs> and it looks insurmountable and they go, no and they talked themselves out of it so i guess what i'm asking is how did you talk yourself into it i think the best way i can answer that question
1: is i kind of embraced it like i i in in learning about all these new things about the food about the wine the challenge was there and i felt like instead of letting myself be caught up in the intimidation i embraced the process. And I was like, okay, like, Jeff, you don't know any of this stuff. Take your time, you know, obviously when you're studying and stuff, you're going to run into those times where like I can't like I can't remember half of this, right? Yeah. But then you just have to have that patience with yourself and be like, okay, give yourself a little time. Like I said earlier, fake it till you make it. Yeah. Have some confidence about it. You know what I mean? If somebody calls you on your on your BS, then they do whatever. Just try not to, like, you know, try not to put too much pressure on yourself, basically, is where I was at. And appreciate this knowledge that you're about to learn for free. Okay. Um, I actually got lucky, and this is where things kind of get weird, like, in restaurants, because I actually wanted to work fine dining when I was working at Longhorn. Um, there were a couple places in Greensboro where I'm from that, Mm -hmm. you know, were white tablecloth spots, um, the catch 22 there is most fine dining establishments want you to have two years of fine dining experience before they hire you. Right. Which to me at the time I'm like how the hell do (laughs) you get two years of fine dining experience when everybody wants you to already have it. Yeah. You know. So I got lucky and transferred into uh, I worked for like I said Longhorn. Mm -hmm. Their mother company is Darden. Darden owns you used to own Red Lobster. It's like Red Lobster, Season 52, Capital Grill, Olive yeah. uh, Garden, you know, places like that. So I was lucky enough to be able to transfer. Mm-hmm. And I had put in enough quality time there to where, you know, I was able to make that happen. But like I said, dude, I think to answer your question, instead of letting the intimidation deter me, I just embraced it. And was like, I can learn this cool stuff that i never had any access to. Now I do have, I got it all here at my fingertips and I can learn about it. And it feels like, I don't know, it feels good, dude. Because I didn't let that intimidation. Dude.
0: I mean, that rocks. Yeah. You know, I mean, do you ever find yourself, you know, after you've acquired these skills, right? And you're always learning new stuff, you know what I mean? That does any of this stuff transfer? Do you ever use like some of this knowledge, like outside of work? Like now that you know about wines and all these different things, I'm sure in the kitchen, you know, in, in my short stint, you know, just working, yeah. you know, as, as a server, you know what I mean? Like I, I've picked up little things here and there yeah. and, and you're like, oh, now I'm gonna go on a date and you know, yeah. I, I know a little something. Yeah, or, yeah, I'm cooking yeah. at home. I could. <laughs> yeah, you can chop it up with people a little more. Yeah.
1: Um, One thing that's cool about it, like, I'm grateful for, like, I don't know, dude. Like, I'm never going to be, like, snooty or, like, trying to think of the right way to put this. Like, I think being around a little more wealth Mm
0: -hmm.
1: has instilled, like, some, for the lack of a better term, I guess, like, has given me a little more class. Okay. So, like, when I go out, I, you know... Don't act like it's the first time I've been to a restaurant. When a lot of people do, they go out and they lose, you know, have a couple of drinks and they lose their mind. Yeah. Um I think being in those situations has given me, like I said, a little more like I'm trying to think of a better way to put it than class. Like it's um I don't know, I know how to act in a formal setting. Sure. Like sure. I don't change who I am by any means. Like I'm still going to talk to you you know, the same way as any other time, but, like, I know how to carry myself in those situations now. Uh, To like I said, when I was a kid and growing up, we didn't have money like that, so, I you know, I don't know what it's like being in a nice place. Right. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to wear, what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to say. Um, But now I know what fork to eat with. Like, you know what I mean? Like, those little things, like, I know different things about different cuts of meats and a lot of things about different foods and what you should eat together and what you should drink with what, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it it does feel good to kind of like when I do go out to kind of know those things and be able to talk about it. Yeah. Um I mean, I've learned a lot though, dude. It's like I don't know. It's been it's it's been crazy like making that transition mm-hmm. and going from like not having any I That was one of the big culture shocks for me. Like, in North Carolina, you know, you might see a BMW every now and again, a Benz every now and again. When I first pulled up at the Capitol Grill and parked in the parking deck, there was Lambos and stuff in the garage and G-Wagons, and it shows you, like, you know, you see what real money looks like. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Which can kind of be intimidating at the same time, but it shows you that it's achievable.
0: Ooh, that's... That's a good, uh, that's a good point to, to kind of bring up, I think that, um, you know, we hear all these different things like the power of having a mentor or iron sharpens iron, you know, Mm -hmm. birds of a feather flock together. I mean, how many, you know, anecdotes and metaphors could we come up with? Right. But there is something to be said about being in the company of, uh, people who have like a certain level of education mm-hmm. or they comport themselves in certain ways, have composure mm-hmm. and poise, or they even know how to dress and how to put, how to present themselves. Yeah. You know, there, there are some people who I'm sure you've seen them who just take such great care in their image yeah, and, and projecting and protecting their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you put all that together, I want to come back to where we, we put pen in, mm-hmm. the uh, anticipating needs. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, when I hear you say that, I think of, uh, my mind, for whatever reason, goes to athletics. Okay. Um, but I think of, like, the Michael Jordans and then the LeBron James yeah. and the Allen Iversons and the Kobe Bryants, right? You look at it and you go, huh. Sometimes they'll make a pass. They'll do something. And the play hasn't even opened up yet. They let but they saw it before yeah, it even happened. Knowledge of the game, letting the game come to them. And and so tell me what does that look like in hospitality? How do you do that? Dude, it's I don't it's I don't know. You kind of have to
1: get a feel for people. Like one thing that I'm really good with is like I usually know whether I like somebody within the first first ten seconds of meeting them. Have your I,
0: always
1: been that way? Yeah. Okay. Like, I pick up on people's energy really well, like how people talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, like, just a vibe, I guess. But that part doesn't matter. It's not about me liking somebody, right? It's more like you kind of get a feel for what kind of person somebody is, and you watch their habits, like, while they're sitting there. Like some people want you to be there and talk to them all night and they want to make a friend with their server and they want to feel like, you know, this I want this guy to wait on me every time I come back. Mm -hmm. A lot of people want you to bring them their their food and leave them alone. You know what I mean? Nobody's going to ever tell you that. Like nobody's going to like maybe it's happened twice to where people are like, hey, we have important stuff to talk about. Try to keep your, you know, your chitter chatter to a minimum, Jeff. Like, that never happens. It may have happened once or twice. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But you have to kind of get a feel for whether they're those people that want you to talk to them a lot or want you to leave them alone. You also got to get a feel for, like, how fast they are. they trying to chill? Are they trying to get out real quick? And it, it's kind of like an unspoken thing to where, like, you're not asking
0: these questions. You just kind of got to figure it out as it happens. So, that okay. and I But it's crazy because I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think probably the listeners know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But for the people who might lack that uh, social awareness, yeah. um, when I was in Japan, they call it, like, kukio yominai. Okay. Like, like, people who can't read the air. You okay. know, and um, so let's say someone is not very skilled in this arena, mm-hmm. but they want to improve. Like, what are some cues maybe that you look for? Like, is this person, you know, are they are they trying to just eat and, and go? Is this person, you know, hoping that I give them a recommendation or ask a few questions or make them? Because, you know, I, I look at it like some people are probably coming in and, you know, like places you go to a lot. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this is my guy, Jeff blah blah yeah and and then they're counting on you to kind of elevate yeah them. like you know pick out their their brightest points and emphasize those yeah take the work off of them and like give give them an experience right mm-hmm. so like what do you look for like I what mean would you tell someone
1: like I said you just kind of get a feel for it uh the main thing for me is I want to treat people the way that I want to be taken care of. Like, that's how I approach it. Like, I've, I've eaten out enough to know what I want. Like, mm-hmm. I want my server to be cool and whoever I'm dealing with to be cool, but the most important people to me are the people at my table. So, like, if I'm sitting with people, like, I'm definitely going to be cool with the server. Do I need you to give me your life story? No. Like, maybe if I come in a few more times and we meet more, maybe. But, like, other than that, I'm just here to have my food, hang out, have a good time. I want you to be cool, too. So, like... That's kind of how I treat it. Like, if you're standoffish with me, I'll let you be standoffish. You know what I mean? Whatever. I'm still going to be professional with you. I'm going to try to communicate with you as much as I can. But it's it's about, like, not pushing that issue, I guess, okay. if that makes sense. Like, I just, like I said, try to treat people how I would want to be treated. And most of the time that works out.
0: I mean, that's the golden rule right Yeah. Now. Uh, and i mean it's hard to go wrong with the golden rule i yeah. feel like i feel like it really just works yeah. I, you know um but i guess there is a, it comes to a point where you got to be either reactive or proactive
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's right? a balance of that yeah it's um, because the way i relate it different now than sports uh you know as as a former high school teacher it's it's kind of the same thing you know i am i'm, I'm kind of one of those empaths it just kind of the feeling comes to me about whatever group or room like sometimes you walk into a room you just feel it yeah and other people are just like totally oblivious yeah um, but you know and as a in the public school system or anytime you work with the kids and your job is to like teach them and help them mm-hmm. you, you know that you recognize they have so many issues and you and you kind of have to like You and said, you never really know what those issues are. Yeah, like, you extract yourself and make yourself sort of a, like a sounding board. Uh, you know, you look at him, you go, if I sit quietly enough, they're going to tell me everything, right? Or I can see the kid who, uh, everybody else told me something, but this person didn't. And I don't know if it's because there's 20 other kids in the room right now and they're going to come after school mm-hmm. or they're going to send me an email, send some other kid to come talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's such a... Like leaving yourself open. Like sometimes you got to push the envelope, and other times you you just let the the wave come to you. Yeah. And I think it's so hard to explain to people who may not possess that naturally, um, how to do that other than maybe trial and error. You know? Yeah. That feedback loop of I may have said too much here, and then running that back against another table and mm-hmm. trying that or not trying that. Mm-hmm. And, and you're in this constant space of learning, you know? And, and I think that's one of the themes that we keep saying here, like that level up is, is new learning, new learning, new learning, new learning.
1: I think you said it really well with trial and error. Like there's a, there's a lot of that. Like you come in and you do what you feel like you're supposed to do. It's not always going to be right, Yeah. but as long as you follow that, like you're, you'll figure it out. No matter what the walk of life is, like obviously we've been talking about waiting tables and stuff the whole time, but like you said, that golden rule of treating the other people how you want to be treated, mm. that applies to everything in life. Whether it's sports, whether it's out meeting people, whether it's working in a restaurant, doesn't matter.
0: Yeah.
1: Just like um, for me, like I don't know, dude. Like when I was a kid, I was I was introverted. As a kid, like I didn't really like being around people. I like to keep to myself. I have my friends, whatever. Um, And as I grew older, I became a little more extroverted, you know, more comfortable in a room. And I think like having the job that I've had for this long, waiting tables and talking to people like I have no problem talking in front of groups of people. Like, I've spoken at several different—I'm not—I know you're, like, a motivational speaker and stuff like that, and you've probably sure. done it on bigger scales than me. But, like, for example, um, I've had some loss and stuff in my family, like people have passed in my family, and I'm the one that that talks at the funerals. I don't always make it through it clean because it's so emotional or whatever, sure. but as far as, like, getting up in front of people, mm-hmm. does not faze me anymore. And I think a lot of that comes from working in hospitality and dealing with people. And it's just like you said, iron sharpening iron, dude. Like sometimes if you put yourself in uncomfortable situations enough, you learn from it and it makes you a better person. Just all around in every walk of life. My thing is now is I got to like, like I said, waiting
0: tables is cool. Definitely a cool gig, but it's not the end game for me. So let's talk about that then, mm-hmm. um, because I kind of want to I want to explore that as well. Right. Yeah. I know that, you know, one of the things I guess wanted to, to highlight was that treating people right works. Yeah. And that um, like we are, whether are in sales or and again, you know, in hospitality, a bit of that's like sales. Yeah. Anyway, definitely sales, you yeah. know, and yeah. it, you could it can be quite lucrative. You know, um, you know, I used to read stories about, you know, servers making six figures and I was like, what? And but that's about, that's about where I'm at. Yeah. So it's it's interesting, right? Where you go, like the better you get at your job, the more competent you become. You've learned you learn how to hit those buttons. Mm-hmm. Things you need to like, you know, things you need to say, like this is in my chamber, mm-hmm. things I ways I need to move, ways I need to greet the table, to set up, because it's like a, it's like a how do you call it? Like you have this routine, like this logistical place in your mind where you're like, OK, if I set up this domino and the next couple, it's going to fall this way. Mm-hmm. You know, if I greet the customer like this in the coffee shop, it's going to do this. I give you an example. I, uh, I, OK, folks, I may have said this before, probably some students <laughs> when I was teaching, but I, I hated it at first because I wasn't a coffee drinker mm. you know I, I, I knew nothing about coffee and where these beans are coming from and what notes and what supposed to taste like I'm like I I, I don't know yeah. and that was my answer to everybody like well I'm with this dark roast and where's this I'm like I'm sorry I can direct you to Evan over here Yeah, and he can maybe give you a better uh, description but but I'm, I'm sorry I don't and then they, I get flack back like a, what do you mean you're working at a coffee shop and you don't drink coffee. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. And, and I had to go through that, that learning curve. Yeah. Um, it's better to be
1: honest. Like, I know I've talked about, about faking it till you make it with, when I was talking about the wine and stuff. But there are positions in any conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, we're not just talking about coffee and wine now. I'm talking about just in general to where if you – somebody asks you, like, hey, do you know about this? And you act like you do. And they do. Um, And they call you out on it. Now you look like an asshole. Yeah. Now you look like whatever. So you got to be careful with that. And I think what you just said, being honest, like if you ask me a question that sounds like you know a little something about it and I know I don't, I'm going to be like, hey, man, that's a tad over my head. Yeah. Like like you said, I'm going to direct you to Evan, you said. Mm -hmm. So, like, you have to be careful with that and, like. Being honest and biting that bullet and saying, like, hey, I don't really know anything about that right now.
0: I'm working on it. Right? You lose yes. a lot less. Yes. You know? You're trying to, like, it's funny because it's an inverse relationship. You thought that if I said I knew, I would, like, gain face. So my face card would go up. Yes. And then I was exposed, and it actually was counterproductive. Yeah, Like, it worked against you. Absolutely. Um yeah, Lord knows. You know, it's like when people say, like, have you ever been here? Yeah, I've been there. Oh, have you ever tried this? And you're like, uh, <laughs> I should have I just been honest. Like, I've never been there. Um, but yeah, one of the things I was, I was going into was just, I, I hated it. Yeah. And I felt like there was a tinge of racism. Uh, from 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 one or two customers wasn't wasn't like prevalent. In oh, bro, you're gonna like, you're gonna run into but, that everywhere, um, bro. Like even for
1: me, like okay, for anybody that's listening that doesn't know this already, I am a Caucasian gentleman, and my friend Nick here is African American.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So racism comes from different directions, man. Like that's yeah. one thing a lot of people don't talk about. Like. I like saying that you don't see color is stupid. Everybody, everybody sees what color everybody is. The thing is, is like, I don't judge anybody until I talk to them,
0: mm.
1: if that makes sense. Um, but me, even as a white dude, like, I experience some racism probably on some different levels. <clears throat> yeah. But like, when I walk up to a table of like black folks, there's a lot of times where they're sitting there having a good time, they're talking to each other, whatever, whatever. I walk up, I'm like, what's up? I'm this country-ass, bald-headed, bearded, white guy. How are y'all doing tonight? And it's automatic, like, wall up. Like, they don't really know where I'm coming for. They don't know nothing about me. You know what I mean? And most of the time, over time, I can get through that. Mm. Like, for example, years ago at Longhorn Dude, I had this table. It was uh, was these black ladies, a couple kids, probably like six or seven people. And one of the ladies was just really rude, right? And I was trying to deal with it for most of the time. I was dealing with it, trying to, you know, kill her with kindness or whatever. So eventually, I kind of lost my patience and just started giving back. You know, I didn't say anything disrespectful, but I started giving back. You know, if you don't like, you're obviously not feeling me. So now I'm going to let you know that I'm not feeling you either, right? So she feels the need later in in the evening. To call my manager over and complain about me, which is cool, whatever. You don't, you obviously don't like me, complain about me, whatever. And she said that I was racist just because she was being an asshole, right? Wow. Little did she know that at that time, like I and pretty much my whole life, I've dated black women. I have a a ton of black friends. I went to a HBCU. Okay. Like, I feel okay. very comfortable
0: with all kinds of people. Like, it, that shit doesn't faze me. It's interesting because I, I'm hearing all this for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. continue, continue. Yeah,
1: I but, I mean, it's funny. What I was, the reason that I even said this is, like, you were talking about catching a tinge of racism yeah. at the coffee shop. And, bro, like, I, even as a white dude, I feel that, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, that shit comes from all different
0: angles. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and, and it's definitely... You know, these obstacles, this discrimination, whatever people want to call it. You know, everybody's got their own battle, multiple battles. Yeah. It's, it's, it's life, you know. But finding ways to circumvent that or work through it. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy in particular, he drove this white Mercedes. And he, he put the money down on the counter and he kind of pulled his hand back from my hand. And I just started seeing this all the time. And I'm thinking... You know, he doesn't do this with Evan. He doesn't do this with Jackie. He doesn't right. do this. And I'm thinking, dude, he's just a little snippy. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it really started to wear me down because I would, like, sort of, like, cringe or want to go in the back when I see him come through the door because yeah, I just yeah. I didn't want to deal with it because you yeah. know, it's, it's running my meter up, my blood pressure yeah, up. Yeah, like, that shit like, don't feel good. Yeah. Right? When somebody is treating you different just because, like. And it's silly, right? right? So I didn't know that this was going to be the, the, the game changer. He gets the same thing every day, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, all right. It's just going to be this small, dark roast and this croissant. Mm. I see him walk, get out of the car and walking up. I go ahead and I start preparing it. I said, today, and the reason I did it was so I could deal with him, like, the least amount of time possible. Yeah. So he comes up. Boom, boom, boom. I time it just right. And I said, the usual. And he's got this attitude. Yeah. And I said, reach behind me. I said, piping hot, ready to go. And his mouth drops. Yeah. And he's like, that, 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 that's how service is supposed to be. <laughs> and then after that, I kid you not, he started making conversation. He started, the, the line would be shorter, like on the other side, but he'd mm-hmm. come through mine. And when I left there. When I told the day I told him I was leaving, mm-hmm. I said, "You know, I, I'm leaving. I'm going to do something else. I'm become a teacher mm-hmm. and do all that." You would have thought I killed this man's dog. Like you, he was sad. He was so sad. It yeah. was like, "You sure you don't want to stay? You sure <laughs> uh, you can't do it part time?" And I thought, "Wow, you know that underneath people, you know, with this hard exterior sometimes, and sometimes all this stuff we think this person's racist or this person's, you know, snooty and pretentious." there's a person yeah underneath that yeah you know what i mean and so the
1: the shame is is that you had to like like i'm glad that the guy turned around and it was you know became different the thing that makes me a little sad is the fact that you had to go the extra mile to get that Mm -hmm. when i feel like people should just get that anyway yeah like i feel like we should all be cool to each other like if somebody gives you a reason to hate them Mm-hmm. Please, like, you know, if somebody gives you a reason to dislike them or disrespect them, go ahead and feel that way. But you should never walk up on somebody and immediately just be like, I haven't even spoken to this person. I don't like them. Like, but people do that. That's crazy. That's what's dude, crazy.
0: People, <laughs>
1: dude, most people suck, man. Let's, let's not <laughs> pretend. Like, I know, you know, most people, that's people suck. That's something that I've definitely learned working in hospitality. Not everybody. And that's what makes, like, when you meet people, that are good people. And when you meet people that you have a vibe with, you should always cherish that yeah. because that is way more few and far between than
0: people being ugly to each other. You really was, said something with that. That was, I'm serious. That was, that dude. was low key kind of uh little deep. I, little I, deep. I, <laughs> I hope you guys listening uh, caught that because I mean, God, that goes way beyond any professional setting you know that just—that's real, um, man. Like people protecting the vibe yeah. and the relationship more so than what it looks like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, dude. When you when bars. you
1: when you meet special people, man. Like I don't know. I've I've I'm thirty two, dude, and I've probably been close and had personal like relationships with I don't know. 30-some, like, incredible people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, there's been there's been a lot of good people mixed in, way more bad people mixed in. So when you do come across those people that you have that connection with and you see that beauty in them, like, some people just have that beauty in them to where they are selfless and they, you know, legitimately don't judge anybody based off, like, You know, judge me off the content of my character, not the color of my skin. Mm. Like, people that actually live by those standards. That's what I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people that live by those standards inherently are very special people because it's rare. Like, a lot of people have to go through things and realize things to get to that point. But there are some special people out there Mm. that just have that caring and give, you know, generally give a shit about other people. Yeah, and when you find that dude, you should always
0: hold on to it. Message. You should always hold on to it. Message. Um, man. Okay, so let's do this. So let's let's swing it into this other side. We're gonna kind of close out this way. We're gonna kind of yeah. funnel this into this space. Yeah, you're getting ready to go into. Mm-hmm. You said you want to get into. Entrepreneurship more, yeah. You know, you, you've already dabbled, you got your hands and, and a few pies. Mm-hmm. Um, so what? What's behind that? What do you What do you want from that? Ooh, I mean, I guess it's
1: easy to say the general answer that most people would give. Like, one thing that I want to do in life is leave a mark and touch people and help people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably, like, the main, like, fulfilling factor. More selfishly, I want something. I want to be able to leave a legacy. I want to be able to have that sense of accomplishment and sense of fulfillment, you know what I mean, and have my name on something
0: and help people at the same time. Okay. Because I was going to say, like, I mean, at this point – I guess you you, but you have accomplished things so you're kind of what you're saying though is there's this grander vision Mm -hmm. of Jeff Fischel that has not yet been realized yeah and these next few enterprises are going to be the things that kind of uh, kickstart that legacy yeah
1: and if not kickstarted it'll be part of the journey okay because everything that you everything that you do you should learn something from
0: Mm-hmm. Um agreed.
1: And you know, I say that that owning a gym or something like that is is an end game for me, but who knows? I mean, that's what it feels like right now. Yeah. That's what I see. Um, but who really knows? Um all I know is like I said, I want that sense of fulfillment and I want to have something that that I can help people realize like be a better version of their self too. Yeah, because that's one thing for me, like, and this is why, like, why fitness is so important for me is because it, it's such a vital part of like that mind, body and spirit connection. Like if you have two of those things and not one, then it just doesn't work. You got to have all three. So you got to take care of your mental, you got to take care of your spiritual and you also got to take care of your body. Like times in my life when I felt worse, the worst about myself is when I wasn't taking care of my vessel. It's when I wasn't taking care of my body.
0: Well, explain that for a second, because, mm. um, I, God, this is going to sound awful, mm. but I but I have noticed, um, and I don't want to isolate it to the United States, but even though we are the most obese country mm-hmm. uh in the world you you see people who seem to have uh just out of like their mind is just not central to the fact that your body controls everything yeah you know like everything that you do and things that they come through you mm-hmm. to do happens through the body yeah, and I and like we go to the gym all the time. Yeah, right. And, and five we, six days a week. I'm totally proud of the people. Some, sometimes you can see a big person, a heavy set person in the gym, mm-hmm. and some people will say, "Oh, this person might not come because they feel embarrassed." But I don't know anybody else, but I'm so proud of them, dude. Like yes. Like I'm way more. I would. I get way more excited seeing someone come in with the mindset to work. Yes. Than someone who's too scared to come in. Yeah, like, I, see, I feel worse
1: about the person who doesn't. I see way more like ripped dudes that are huge and like wearing sleeveless hoodies and shit that don't do anything at the gym. They're in there, be, <laughs> they're in there being social, mm-hmm. talking to people, doing their curls or whatever, which is cool. If you want to come to the gym and hang out, that's cool. But the people that are coming in to like change themselves for the better, I like you said, I applaud that. Yeah. Um, Just a little insight into me. Like I said, when I was a kid, I was introverted. The thing that changed that and started the snowball and has made me more comfortable with myself in life is when I discovered sports. When I went from playing video games and being in the house and being Mm -hmm. a nerd to now I'm running track, playing football, playing basketball. Those things changed my life it made me feel more confident. It made me feel like not only more confident and mentally better, but you feel physically better. Okay. Um, To get into that a little more. And the reason why fitness is such a passion for me now, like, you know, I've always been somewhat athletic, at least, you know, once I got into it and um, this past year, last year, or no, it was this year. I got into a real, like I was telling you earlier, I've experienced some loss in my family. Like, Mm -hmm. my mother passed at 53 about five years ago. Oh, wow. Um, And I love my mom, but there were some issues there whatever. It's not for this conversation. But this past year, my person died, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's my grandmother. It's my mom's mom.
0: I got
1: you. And she was a church going lady, dude. She never drank, never did drugs, never did anything. And her, she had this this rare disease. It's called a MSA, I believe. It's called it's like muscular system atrophy. Okay. So she went from one year starting to kind of lose a little bit of mobility to the next year she was having to use a walker. To the next year she's in a wheelchair. Next year, she's sinking down. I see her body like curling mm-hmm. over, like her body literally just deteriorated in front of everybody's eyes. It was really hard to deal with, really hard to watch. Um, she passes last March and like leading into that, it it had me messed up. Like I didn't want to do anything, especially during the, the critical time when it was actually happening and it was time for her to go. Yeah. There was a long stretch of time that I just didn't feel happy about anything. I wanted to lay in bed all day. Like, all I did was kind of lay in bed, eat, and go to work, right? And it felt shitty. And I'm still I'm still sad about it, but what I'm trying to get to is, like, the day that I picked myself up and was like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym today. Went in, did my little workout. Didn't change anything. After about a month of that, I felt like I was myself again. Like, there's still this piece of me that's missing that I'll never have back. But bringing my body back and putting that time in, in the gym and just getting that stress relief, you know what I mean? And having that exertion and setting goals and things like that brought it literally brought me out of a depression. And, yeah, that's what, like taking the time to self-care and everything and feel sorry for yourself and laying in bed and, you know, feeling those sad feelings. Like I encourage that, like you should do that to a point, but there's also a point to where you're, like I said, getting my body back involved Mm -hmm. and taking care of myself physically. Not only made me feel better about myself, but it helps that mind body spirit connection. Like you can sit there and feel sad about yourself all day long and what's going to happen? You're going to continue to feel sad about yourself, feel sad about different things. But it's all about that challenge and picking yourself back up. Like that's one thing when I I hear people talking about the fact that they feel sad a lot or they're depressed or like stuff's bothering them. Like one of the first things I think about is like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? What are you doing to take care of yourself? How often do you challenge yourself?
0: But you know what I think so interesting about that because you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is something I've had to learn in the last, you know, two and a half years mm-hmm. or so. Because I've I've anxiety, had a whole panic attack that kind of started that off to get me on the whole self care mental health movement. Yeah, you know, because before I thought it was like BS. I was like, nah. I said, you know, some of you are just crazy. Now I'm like, okay, Nick, that was ignorant, that's real, right? <laughs> It's real, but it can be managed, and and that was the thing where I didn't really realize until I did my own research, and you realize that uh, anxiety number one is a mental illness. It's the the largest mental illness in the United States, with mm-hmm. forty million adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go, whoa, and then you think, how many how many of these people know that they have anxiety, or do they just say, my job is stressful? This is, that's just what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a teacher, I'm a surgeon, I'm whatever. It gets hectic. I just got a deal. And there's so many people I think that just say, oh, I just got a deal. You know, I got to keep throwing myself into this furnace. And the sad part of that is most people,
1: when they hit that, I got a deal point, that's when medicine and prescriptions Mm. and other like drinking, things like that come into play which can, in a lot of cases, make everything worse. For sure. Like, the, I'm not a big believer in, like, of course, medicine is real. Like, mm-hmm. But when it comes to, like, the chemistry of your mind and being like, okay, I feel sad, I'm going to take this pill because it makes me feel good, there are going to be some adverse effects to that. Absolutely. Like, when you could do that and get the quick fix, which is going to mess you up later... Or you could approach the problem in a way like, I'm going to take better care of myself. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to run. I'm going to do this or that. Mm-hmm. It might not make you feel better that day, but later on down the road, it will. Later on down the road, it'll bring real change.
0: I think that's a big piece of that, right? Mm-hmm. Just having your mind, like, a few miles down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, Some people are just stuck in today, like, what do I need to do today, today, today? Got to look ahead, dude. And, um, particularly with, like, your health and the way you see yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Because my issue, part of, part of my issue with anxiety is that I'm always in the future. Yeah. You know, I'm always kind of working on who I'm going to be. Yeah. and,
1: and that, I mean, that's part of it, though,
0: man. Like, like the work's never
1: done, dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, You're the saying, work's dude. never done. Like, let's say, like, I don't know, another thing that I do that I'm trying to dabble in. Like, I, I've done some, like, acting work. Right. Like most of it's like extra stuff. Like for anybody that's listening, you're never I could never tell you something to go look at and you'll see me. But I kind of enjoyed it. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Now I'm kind of looking into like doing some stunt work. So I got to do classes and train and do this or that, whatever. Now, let's say next week I land a gig and I'm now a professional stuntman. Does that mean I'm going to go do that one gig and be done? No. That means after that gig, I got to keep training, learn new things, go get another gig. Right. Like, if you write a book, now you're an accomplished author, and you're published, and you're this and that. You just hang it up. But are you done after that? Right. Like, we're never done. It's always the day that the day that you stop striving for what's next and stop trying to improve yourself, I feel like that's the day that you truly die. Okay. That. When you're at the point to where like, okay, I'm done. There's nothing else for me to accomplish. Like, I, I can't understand how any anybody could ever get there. You know what I mean? Right. So like, that's the thing is like, it's you're never done. The work's always going to be there.
0: Okay. So let's do this. Mm-hmm. I like this idea of a, of a gym and fitness yeah. and mental health and self-care in the mind. Um, and who knows, I may have to go in with you on that gym. I mean, bro, you I've, know, I've, right. I've had this idea as I'm getting my NASM certification. So at that point, you know, Nick in the building, you know, training folks. Uh little PT and, action. And, shoot, you train as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, PT Solutions. Yeah. Not like the official PT Solutions, but, you know, Jeff and Nick PT Solutions. So um, I like to close out my podcast yeah. with a simple question. Okay. And I don't put a cap on it. You can answer it any way you want to. Okay. Nervous now. Okay. Um, no, it's it's not it's, it's not even <laughs> crazy. Uh, but most people, they, 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 I don't know, they take a second and they're like, word, okay. So the question is, who is Jeff Fischle? Who is Jeff Fischle? Hmm.
1: Jeff Fisher is a learner. Jeff Fisher was a carer. I care way more about other people and their well-being than my own most of the time, which may come to a fault. Um, I always want to be better, dude. I always want, like I said, I want to reach out and touch people and help people. I don't want to hurt anybody. And I, I hope that anybody that listens to this, that you're doing whatever you can in your life to make the people around you, especially the people that you care about, to make their life better. And that's who I am. I want, I just want to strive to be better and I want to learn from great people like you and great people that I meet on a day-to-day basis and apply the things that I learn from them to my life. And that way, once I apply those things to my life, I can extend them to other people.
0: That's a very... Solid, solid answer. Is it solid? I hope I feel like that's solid when I, 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 mean, I hear this later. <laughs> you know, you're like pretty nervous about this. I'm not sure, but I'm like, you handled that well. Thank you. You know,
1: uh thank you. I feel like I could have went in a couple couple different directions there, but I feel like the answer I gave you is honest. And okay. that's that's how I really feel. So yeah, I'm happy with that.
0: Well, I mean, that's you know, honesty is the best it policy. Uh no. Jeff, my good man, my good friend, I appreciate Bro. you uh i appreciate you coming on to this podcast i really do um uh, you know making the drive out here and thanks um, for this tea it's delicious yeah it's hot tea let's not tell people what the what miracle tea, tea. <laughs> miracle <laughs> tea and it is a secret you gotta dm me a teacher in your pocket if you want to know what's in it you got to come to the studio to get the tea man you're not going to get this anywhere else there you go so reach out to people if you know somebody wants to be on the podcast by all means in the notes. There's all the ways to contact me. And in the same regard, there's going to be all the pieces and the links that you need to contact Jeff. Mm. Um, Instagram is uh, Jeff underscore C
1: underscore official. There's not a ton there because I'm not a huge social media head. But if you want to come on, see my face, see who I am, that's that's a good place to find me. You can also find me on
0: Facebook. So, And there you have it, good people. Look for those things in the notes. Um, and the last thing I do want to say um, I'm not sure if Malcolm has made it this far or Jay, um, but I just want a quick reminder for folks uh, that we did beat them in basketball in a three-point contest just hours morning. ago. Yep. just hours ago, fresh and off, fresh off the ass whooping. They promised to beat us next time. I, I can't really <laughs> see it, and you know, honestly, I'm gonna be honest. I can't really see it.
1: No.
0: Um, but you gotta have dreams. We talked yeah. about you know people having you know goal. They probably have anxiety about it right now listening yeah. to us. But uh, um, we wish you guys well. We yeah, wish you Nothing but the best, man. Nothing but yeah. the best. And, and to the listeners, same thing. Uh, and be t- sure to tune in uh, to Finding Nicholas next week. And yeah, we're out like shout. Peace.